I do a lot of writing in my head. If I have a sentence or two or a character element or a note about the wildlife or something, that stuff I will jot down to be implemented in whatever story is already crafted in my head. So it's not like I'm just like, okay, well, here are these, you know, five or six scattered sentences. Let's just get that down and you're done for the day. It's how will these five or six scattered sentences fit into, you know, the narrative that I have to get down in order to be able to use them and have them make sense. You are now listening to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's blocks, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get it cracking. L.D. Lewis is a founding member, art director, and project manager for the Hugo Award-nominated Fire Lit Magazine, as well as the sci-fi and fantasy author of numerous titles, including Ruin of Shadows, Strange Horizons, Shashira, and more. She hails from Georgia and lives on coffee. Please enjoy our conversation. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the next episode of the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast. I am your host, John Robinson IV, and with me today, I have L.D. Lewis. What's going on? Hi, glad to be here. Yeah, glad glad you're able to come on. Um, I happened to come across Ruin of Shadows. You know, I, I had read some of your your other uh, journalist, yeah. <laughs> journalism work, but I hadn't read any narrative work. And I'm a big story person, so when I saw it, I like, I, you know, I know I was late to the party, but I, I, I don't know, Twitter, just Twitter, right? Well, so. usually that, that happens the other way around. People, uh, people are exposed to me through my fiction, and then they, you know, find out I also do serious stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> nice. so I, I'm, I'm glad to know that I'm, I'm uh, legit on both ends of it. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, like. So Ruin of Shadows really blew me away. I, di- I didn't realize at the time, because I, cause I'm, I just jump at things without looking. I didn't realize it was a novella <laughs> <laughs> initially. And so I started reading it and I was like, Oh, this is, like, it was panning out to me. I don't know if you plan to do more around the story, but, um, like I know like the way without spoiling anything from the story, I know the, the story's pretty summed up in, you know, one telling, but. I didn't know if you're planning on doing more around the story because the way that it intros the characters and the, this world is built around it seems very all in like it seems bigger than you know just the uh, yeah. the, nove- the novella sized story you know yeah, it is it's a it's it's a vignette of um, a wow okay so there was this novel trilogy um, that mm-hmm. was not. Um, always a trilogy. It was a big 300,000 word thing got, that got chopped up into a trilogy. Um, uh. Within this trilogy's world, I have all of these historical references and other characters. Um, a Ruin of Shadows is the backstory of a historical figure from <laughs> the larger um, oh, trilogy universe. Oh, okay. See, and I, I love that. I love world building stuff. I love that. <laughs> it's just, it's like one of the things that, like, I love lore and history in a fictional yeah. world. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, like in my own, 
you know, quest to, to write, you know, great lore and stuff like that. I find myself getting more involved in like, you know, real world history and stuff just to see what the real world was born on and get idea, like inspiration and ideas from that. Even though when I grew up, I always thought history was boring. <laughs> it's important to know it, but I, you know, I don't know. High school me was kind of like, eh, but I mean, over time it's grown on me because there's a lot of like, you know, interesting, great, whatever thing, not, not so great sometimes things that have happened throughout history. And, and, um, and it, it's, it's good inspiration for, for writing, you know, uh, a fictional lore in history. But I think I, I, I thought you handled it, uh, really well for good reason. I didn't, I didn't realize how big the, the world was beyond just Ruin of Shadows. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, before, cause I will talk about Ruin of Shadows forever. So before we, get too far off into talking specifically about that. I usually start off with kind of a question of, you know, what your process is when you sit down at a, you know, desk, you know, coffee shop, whatever. Well, I guess everybody's at home right now. But uh <laughs> <laughs> but in general, when you when you sit down to to work on a project, what what your process is, whether it's whether it's music, whether it's you're just, you know, jotting down notes or a, or or a mind tree type of thing or, or a mind map type of thing or um what's what's kind of how you how you tend to work um i usually just kind of fall into most of my projects um uh when i actually sit down with the intent to write it's usually to get typed up um the pages and napkins and assorted mm-hmm. scribblings on blackboards and things that i've kind of accumulated um, right. since the last time I wrote. Um, and then sometimes from there, um, new things will happen. So, <laughs> um, it, 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 it works out. Um, I could probably be one of those more disciplined writers, um, who right. sits down at a regimented hour of the day and makes sure that nothing else is happening, but I can't, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I was never diagnosed attention deficit, but I do have an issue with focusing. I'd rather be right. um, multitasking. Exactly. Uh, music music is, is a big part of it, usually. Um, depending on the scene I'm writing, I, I can't always um, have music in, in the background because it'll um, mess up the scene in my head, I guess. I have to listen to music <laughs> that's appropriate to the scene I'm writing, and it you can right. only... Uh, write so much of it within like the three minutes of a song. So do, do um, have... I have playlists. Right, I was just about to ask. <laughs> yeah, playlists for different moods. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I know that. I was I mean I never really I never really talk about how people talked with anybody about how they set up their music listening. I just always hear people say, "Oh, I listen to music when I write." But breaking down like how, um, I've always kind of wondered that because I literally have playlists that. Like a playlist that might say action or epic or uh, cl- moment of closure or you know or sentimental or romance or something like that. Yeah. F- for the scene, so so you do kind of that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I have some of them that are I, I I associate moods with colors, so I kind mm-hmm. of I, I list them out by you know blue music, uh, red music. Oh, nice. Um, and um, those. Uh, I kind of pick and pluck from those and actually make entire playlists for the story specifically because everything has its own um, atmosphere and its own tensions and different, you know, character effects. 
um, mm-hmm. that are reflected in different types of music. So I have um, I have a playlist for every story, and then I have a bunch that are just mood based that kind of help me get through certain parts. Right, right, awesome. Yeah, and one one of the things that when I, when I was reading Ruin was uh, uh, theme felt very strong, but also very natural. Um, I, I guess I guess what I mean by that is there were there were things that helped define character personalities, but it di- it didn't seem to stunt the story. Um, I know one issue in that some people may have with certain kinds of books. I mean, it's not necessarily the wrong thing to do, but it's sometimes the story will, will kind of pause while uh, the way a character is feeling is expressed or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed like, to me at least, it seemed like uh, Ruin was able to do that while in action. You know what I mean? Like the, the story was still moving on. Um, General, uh, is, it, is it Ido or is it Edo? Edo. Edo. So, so General Edo was... was Constant. I mean, for very little of the story was she not. Were there not moments of conflict? Even when she was by herself, there were still moments of internal right. conflict. Um, and so these, so these, like, you were able to to understand kind of her place in the world. Um, at least, at least from the way I, I what I saw her place to be, or the way I what the way I interpreted it. Um, while this, while while the story was still actively moving on in, with action. So I, I really dug that. Do you? Um, I wonder if you have any um, insight to to doing that, or if it's just a natural thing for you. <laughs> I, it might be. And I don't think it's ever something I've consciously done. Right. Um, I'm usually um, chided by you know my agent, editors, and things for um, moving at glacial paces. I like <laughs> to kind of um, stay in the moment. I craft worlds that you want to intentionally that you want to spend extended amounts of time in, mm-hmm. um, you know, even when not, you know, being a part of a specific story. Um, and apparently I'm not allowed to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, with a ruin of shadows, um, I think it, it was actually initially written so that I could is- experiment with some things that I hadn't really done in writing before. So stuff like writing combat sequences, I didn't know if I could actually pull that off. Um, Mm. So I wrote it to experiment with that. And that might've also been an experiment in um, stepping up my pacing. So I don't have to, you know, hear that, that nag uh, going forward, but um, I'm, I'm glad it landed. Uh, Mm -hmm. If, if you ask me how I did it, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> no, un- understandable, understandable. Yeah, I mean the combat was good too to me. I mean, I, I honestly would have thought you were writing combat for a while. <laughs> I've heard good things about it, so I'm I'm very happy. Yeah, the the final battle sequence between her and the I won't name who for for people who would like to <laughs> read. <laughs> but uh but yeah, the the whole I mean the whole big final battle sequence was 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 great to me and it seemed like it seemed like i know i keep mentioning theme but i'm I'm really strong on theme because maybe it's because it's theme is something that it's one of those elusive things to me but it's so powerful Mm -hmm. in a story you know it's so necessary and so powerful but it's so elusive it's the thing i get hung up on the most it's like as i'm writing this sequence of events is the feeling and the theme that i'm trying to get across present you know, as, as the story goes on, or does it get lost somewhere that, you know, you got to go back and figure out where it got lost. Right. Um, but I feel like the theme is ever present 
in this story, even as it goes, I, I, I don't even know if I can name exactly. I would have to think on it if I could, if I even name what the theme is. But the, but that, that same tone and the feeling is there throughout the whole story. Um, no matter what, uh, Edo was doing. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really, I really dug that. Um, I guess, um, one of my questions is you, you mentioned earlier, uh, that you go and grab and, uh, all your compiled notes and napkin uh, markings and whatnot. Uh, right. So do you think, would you say that a lot of your writing is kind of done prior to writing? <laughs> I don't really <remember> that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, like it's like in your head, you got notes and stuff like that. And it's kind of like when you actually write, you're just, you're just kind of getting that, that compiling all that stuff together into something cohesive. Um, so there's, there's a couple of stages of writing. There's the writing that happens in your head and then there's the writing that, that, you know, is actually on a page somewhere. Right. Um, so I do a lot of writing, I think, um, in my head, uh, if I have a sentence or two or a character element or, um, a note about the wildlife or something, um, that, that stuff I will jot down to be implemented in whatever story is already crafted in my head. So mm-hmm. it's not like I'm just like, okay, well, here are these, you know, five or six scattered sentences. Let's just get that down and you're done for the day. It's right. how will these five or six scattered sentences um, fit into, you know, the narrative that I have to get down in order to be able to use them and have them make sense. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It seems like, seems like a lot of plan. Do you, do you consider yourself to be more of a planner um, versus, Kind of just writing by the uh, seat of your pants. I'm a, a, a planter, so somewhere between <laughs> a, a, a pantser and a planner. Right. Um, I don't do a lot of outlining. Um, I, well, I, I, I try not to because um, I have this thing with outlining. If you get too detailed with it, it becomes pointless to actually write the book because you've written it just an outline for it. Right, right um, exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't do too much, um, too much of that, but I do have like a character bible, and I have, um, um you know, little world elements that I, I I need to keep track of in order to make sure that the story is cohesive. Right, right. What are what are some of the things that you find important for the character bible? Because character story bible, though, that's something I'm really big on. Um, uh-huh. I feel like it's, I, I feel like one of the biggest failings of a lot of new writers and i'm saying this because i did it myself too is um <laughs> it's like you 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 write you think of stuff you think of good ideas you know um you don't really you don't write them down you don't jot them on a napkin or anything um and then you later then it's not on a napkin so therefore you don't compile it in a note program or, or right. word process or whatever and then you know somebody asks you about your story you know was it written and, they, and then the answer is oh well it's in my head um <laughs> and every time i remember when i used to say that too like oh it's it's in my head you know uh this is like almost 10 years over 10 years ago now and ever since i stopped doing that and actually jot jotted down whatever it was no matter how insignificant it is um every time i jotted down i would i would come back to my work and see that oh wow like there's a lot of stuff that i legit would have forgot because i forgot i forgot that i even wrote this <laughs> do, so so do so do you ever find that to be the case like like the, the writing things down is like a you know uh, a huge help and then what kind of things do you think are the most important to to get on paper um yeah definitely uh it definitely helps to write it down it just kind of reinforces it 
um, in your head, even if you lose that page or something, you've, you've written it down. So it's become somewhat material, even if it's not in the story yet. Um, character Bible, uh, mostly, uh, relationships. You have your, your, your physical characteristics, which are less important, um, unless it's something you're going to be, um, referring to, um, a, a scar, um, over the eye, a, a gap tooth somewhere, whatever. Right. Um, uh, the relationships between them, um, are most important. That informs, uh, conflict in the story. Um, it informs their personalities. Um, mm-hmm. you know, two type A people are going to have a hard time, um, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be the leader in that situation. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, mostly just making sure that you can keep their identities intact. Any information that'll help you do that and like not blur the lines between, you know, whose motivations are what, um, mm-hmm. is, is important. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's an important point right there. Actually, the, especially the one about, uh, about how the, the relationships and personality types and how they interact, how people interact with one another are more important than the physical characteristics. I don't know how many times I've seen, um, like, uh, like a story written out and there's all these details about how they look and what clothes they wear. Sometimes there's even right. like these Pinterest boards with outfits and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like, like it's, it's, it is kind of cool, but it's at the same time, it's like, um, but where are you at on the story? Like, where's the, you know right. what I mean? Like, um, and yeah, so I think, I think it's a, it's, it's a really important remark to, to say, uh, yeah, yeah, how, like who these people are, are not necessarily how they look, unless you, like you said, it's something that's important to the story, like a chipped tooth or something like that, or right. somebody got, you know, hit in the face and they lost a tooth or right. whatever, <laughs> and it was important to their past or, 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 or something that, that helped delineate them later. Like if you don't know a character's name, but then you see them from a distance and you notice that chip tooth when they smile and you're like, Oh snap, it's so and so. Right. Uh, <laughs> details like that I find important more than like, uh, I don't know, casting whoever in your head right. <laughs> to be that character, which I think that helps too, like in your head. But like as far as like spending so much time on that stuff versus the personality aspects, I think that's, uh, that's an important, that's an important tip right there. <laughs> um, so you, you also mentioned a second ago, like type, type A, uh, personalities and whatnot. Um, do you ever work, do you ever consciously work with like, uh, like character archetypes? And what I mean by archetypes are, are things like the, like you have your teacher archetype, your, um, you have like the, I don't know, what's, what's the term? Um, I keep wanting to say succubus, but it, that's not the term. <laughs> like enchanter or something like it's like it's yeah, like, but it's the same role. The, or, yeah, yeah, there we go, the seductress. Yeah, um, or the child archetype or stuff like that. Do you, do you do you ever work or play with those kind of archetypes, or is it more of a you know a, a different process? Um, I don't choose them um, consciously. I think if they fall in into those patterns, it um, mm-hmm. I, I reach that point organically um if i have uh, a main character who is sort of a subdued quieter person um (laughs) someone and they are friends with someone who is um louder a bit larger of a personality extroverted um there has to be some sort of balance there 
um, Mm -hmm. that makes them able to stand one another. Um, And if there isn't, that's where they become enemies. That's where they, you know, that they diverge in the story. Um, So I don't, I don't think I set out to be like, okay, well, this person is, um, you know, your, your typical, your, your brute archetype, the, the, the big dummy with the heart of gold, um, <laughs> who's ready to thrash somebody, um, right. to protect, you know, delicate sunflower over here, um, mm-hmm. who's the main character. Um, what's more important to me than that they represent those archetypes is, you know, how did they, how did their paths cross? What what made them? What brought them together in the story? Um, what mm-hmm. what strengths? What weaknesses do their relation have? Relationships have? Um, and uh, where do we take those in the story? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that's probably to me a more or- organic way of thinking about it because I, if you take like there's all these you know talks about writing and and how you can. You can, you can very well take a very technical approach to writing. Um, and what right. I mean by that, or structured, that's the word I'm looking for, not right. technical, uh, where you could do the hero's journey, hit it beat for, like, I mean, there's, there's some like sheets out there that have like 40, even more beats broken out. And people are like, yeah, I'm going to hit each of these beats and it might work. I mean, you right. know, <laughs> uh, but I feel like also, um, you may end up writing characters that make you feel a certain way. And they happen to fit into these archetypes that were set up in, you know, like the face of a thousand or the thousand. What the heck is that book called? Which <laughs> uh, one? The uh, I'm blanking on this book. Uh, same same uh, person who wrote the Hero's Journey, the original Hero's Journey. I have no um, idea who that is. I, I need to know more about my classics. I don't. I don't. Care. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's 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 like a it's like a massive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna be mad. Watch after this, <laughs> <laughs> or somebody's gonna like comment and be like, "Oh, it was this?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, thanks." Uh, so yeah, if anybody's listening and knows it, feel free to comment <laughs> and tell me the name. I think it's like a, like a, a thousand faces or God of a Thousand Faces or something like that. Um, but anyways, it, it breaks down uh, certain parts of the hero's journey, etc. And and um, as well as character archetypes or whatever. But I honestly feel like if you follow that too closely, like it's a good thing, like, like in some ways, but in other ways, you don't want to like section yourself off to just that because people are complex, you know, characters should be complex. They they may not be in this one box that these archetypes set them in, you know? Yeah. I, um, I think where people mess up with that is that they take a look at archetypes. They took it, they take a look at these structured, um, sort of segmented uh, writing how-tos and things, and mm-hmm. they take them as prescriptive. They um, they don't write um, mm-hmm. before they read it. Right. Um, and so what happens is instead of the resource making your writing stronger, you're writing to the resource. And uh, everybody else writing yeah. to the resource is going to end up, you know, doing that exact same thing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I think the most well to me at least. I don't know. If you uh, tell me what your uh, character building process is, but uh, to me, like I like usually a real person usually starts as a basis for my. Not that I'm just looking around at people and going, "Oh, that person's that way." I'm gonna write a character just like that. But like a lot of the time, somebody who's made an impact on your life, 
in some way, or maybe not even a, maybe a small impact. It could even, it may not be like a, somebody who was in your life for a long time. It could be a, an interaction that you had with somebody for a day and it made right. an impact. Um, can, can create the basis of a, of at least your percep, your, your, per, your, your perception of what that personality looks like. Do you ever, do you ever do that as far as like building personalities or is it more kind of all the way from the cosmos? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of think about um, characters and temperaments, um, mm-hmm. builds even um, that they would that would be typical for them to fill whatever role it is they fill in life mm-hmm. um, in, in in the story. So right. um, you know somebody who's who works a lot with cat cattle, they're going to be a bit brawnier, um, right. oh, a yeah, bit yeah. probably a bit more gruff, less refined in terms of mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of those things influence how that story, um, works. Whereas someone who's a bit more introverted, more bookish is, might be smaller, um, mm-hmm. might read a lot in the dark and therefore wear glasses, um, th- yeah. things like that. Yeah. And, and th- those are the character aspects that I think people, I won't, I won't say the people forget about them. Um, uh, but I, I'll say, I think if they consciously thought about those things, they would find character creation to be more, uh, easy is not the word. <laughs> That's not really the word. Uh, they can, they, they can find the, themselves, uh, navigating the journey of, of creating their characters a little, a little better. Mm-hmm. If, if they think about those aspects, like, okay, so what's their, like, even, even, you can start with something simple, I think. Like, what's their profession? Oh, this character is a, you know, a lawyer or whatever. I don't know why I always go a lawyer, but this character is a lawyer. <laughs> okay, what do they have to what do they have to be to become a lawyer? What are their personality traits? Right. Uh to be like what is it how does a lawyer act? What must a lawyer do or be like in order to be good at their jobs? Um and then you start thinking of flipping tropes. Well, this this lawyer may be putting on this lawyer the lawyer hat at work, but could be uh the opposite personality type at home. Right. As a result, they're exhausted from it and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all kinds of, like, you, you see how it very, I mean, just starting with something like that, you very easily go down the rabbit hole of who this person is um, and and why. So I think I think if people think, like like you said, if people think about, like, their profession, their, their status, their, um, or even if they start with a personality type, if this, you say somebody's subdued, why are they subdued? You know, right. Why are they balling up in in a corner and trying to make themselves look as small as possible in a room full of people? Right. Um. You know, is are they introverted by is it, is it a natural introvert? You know, nature versus nurture kind of questions. Right. Like that's a big question that comes up a lot. But uh, but yeah, I I mean I I like I like the organic uh approach to to writing things. Uh, because it's, it's, it's kind of hard, but it's also like where that magic happens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how'd you think of that character? It's kind of like, well, I, it's natural. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I was so like in, in talking about, uh, character and, and, and character archetypes. I also, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really big on, um, antagonist. Um, I'm really interested in how, good antagonists are done so when it comes to character writing and in uh your approach on villains or antagonists or sometimes i guess sometimes your antagonist isn't even a villain sometimes it doesn't have to be a villain sometimes it's just somebody who opposes your protagonist right um so yeah what's your approach to like uh 
what's your take on how to write villains or, or what makes a good or, or, or antagonist? I went back to villain antagonist. <laughs> um, so the, the antagonist is a person too. Um, is as much, you know, thought and consideration as you're putting into the minutia of your protagonist in terms of their history and what events and what upbringings and what environments made them the person they are, that same energy has to be committed to your, your anti-hero in order for them to be compelling, at least. Right. Um, I mean, they, they could just be, um, you know, pretty flat and, um, you know, you just kind of want to see their, their faces get kicked in at some point in the story. And that's fine too. <laughs> Um, But if you want um, a compelling character, um, someone who makes you think, someone who uh, isn't, I I, I don't want to say isn't flat again, but someone (laughs) uh, someone who makes you kind of rethink the the traits that that you find attractive and maybe should not be attracted to. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are. Th- those are fun ways to play with play with um an antagonist um i i think protagonists are a bit overrated um i, <laughs> I, I, I like um, i like I anti-heroes um people with a sort of gray morality um because morality is is gray um i yeah. just i just yeah. like mine to be um stylish while doing whatever the bad thing is <laughs> and i i I think that's one of the reasons why uh, Game of Thrones played so well. Um, not to get in a super long discussion about R.R. Martin, but in his yeah. books, <laughs> the characters, the characters are very. Um, it's kind of like there's, I mean, there's a couple of characters that are like, okay, that person's good, okay, mostly, and that person's bad, mostly. But a lot of the characters are very like, like, kind of up to you, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> um, and in 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 ruin and ruin of shadows, um, a lot of the time, like throughout, I mean, I liked Edo, but I was at the same time, I was like, is she is she good or is she? <laughs> I don't know. If she's good. Oh, and not to mention the the Jin. Oh my goodness, I was like, it's, yeah. Are they like what are they exactly? And I know it relates to a larger <laughs> story because you said there's a whole world built around it. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> uh, so when you approached like the characters in this story, were you going for? Like just kind of great, like the the greatness. Uh yes. Um, uh, danger. She's she's not a good person. Um, she's just good at what she does. Uh, yeah. But as the center of my story, this is the story that you're choosing to follow. Um, right, right. So, um, I I think in our minds we're going to construct um what is tolerable good and what's tolerable evil. Um, in a story, and I think that she ended up being um, kind of a healthy enough blend of both to mm-hmm. sufficiently make um, the Empire, who's going after this child queen, that the, the, the Empire that she built, who's now you know taking these yeah. making these choices. And, and um, throughout that, throughout that, I was wondering, I was like, okay, she she built like I was I was really conflicted, which is a good thing. Like it's a, like right. it was making me think. I was like, okay, so is she? She's like, like sometimes I was thinking like, yo, she's, she's properly like, like giving these people to business. Like she, like when she, when she talked to the emperor before everything popped off and she's all like, yo, I basically, I built this. Like, what do you like? Like, like I built everything here. So I was like, yeah, like she built it like out of her face. But then the other side of me at times when she's going through and 
being the assassin that she is, um, I was, I was wondering, I was like, man, like, is this, is this maybe a little too, um, uh, what's, uh, self, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Not, it's not narcissistic. It's not conceited. Maybe it's a little bit conceited, but (laughs) I, I think that when we look at whether our people are good or bad, we also have that third option where they're a selfish person. So they're right, not, right. they're, they're not evil. They're not a bad person, um, mm-hmm. because they don't seek to do, you know, malicious things. Um, right. and they're not a good person for not seeking to do those things, but they can be selfish and self-serving and danger is 100% about herself. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and always has been. She's always been looking out for number one. Jenny's always been around looking out for her as well. So it's, um, <laughs> that's, that's her family. That's her people. Um, mm-hmm. To her, uh, right. her the the empire could have been her people, but they didn't want to act right. So, right, right, yeah. So, so like, yeah, that, that was that was the that was the conflict. I was like, I mean, I was all I was like, largely, I was all on her end because I'm like, these people really legit. They trying to go, they trying to come after her after she built all this. Like, really? Right. <laughs> you know, that, that was my that was my mindset for the whole thing. But the, it, it, at certain point, just at different moments, I was wondering if she was just. Uh, if she was taking, I don't, I don't know if she had moments of being too, uh, whatever the word, I guess selfish. I guess that's what it is. <laughs> but, but, but it was all in her right though at the same time. Like it was, it was a hundred percent her. Like she did build that, you know? Um, right. She gave them everything that they were, even the shadows like that. And those relationships were really compelling. I loved the relationship between her and the shadows, especially without spoiling anything, but. Like the six and seven moment. Yeah. Like, I, I think like, that, wow. that was probably my favorite. Man, those the were the way that played out. That was hitting me in the soul. <laughs> 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 I was like, no, but yes, but, <laughs> but no, you made a bad choice. Yeah. It was, um, it, I, I was like, oh, well, you know, they're all my babies too. And yet, <laughs> right. Exactly. Here, so. That's what it felt. And it felt, it, Cause, and that's why I really enjoyed the character. That's why I made my complex characters. Like, yeah, she's got like a little bit of selfishness and she's, well, maybe a lot of selfishness and she's, <laughs> she's, she's really skilled at what she does. She's built all these things. You see her, you know, her age creeping in. Like, you know, she's like, ah, man, like I, I jumped off that building. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> land the same way that I would have landed 10 years ago or whatever. Um, and so she's like going through all these things in her head and at the same time. She's like, you see how good she is at what she does because regardless of her relationship ties with whoever she still acts with right. expert like no hesitation like you know i mean i mean this it's, it's the it's the trope of a billion movies where uh some character gets killed because they don't want to hurt whoever and then they you know and then we're all yelling at the screen like why did you stay in there <laughs> you, know? <Right. laughs> you know but that is not an issue here and that speaks to it's not and, it, and it's not it's not even that she's has lack of empathy like that's that's what's done so well in this story uh credit to you and your writing skills like she's <laughs> Like she very clearly has empathy and very clearly can still operate at a hundred percent effectiveness in in her in her in being an assassin. Right. Um. So like I I, I really I really dug that. I mean I don't know if, if the character was meant to be um more heartless or anything, but to me I felt like she had. I mean even her regret when she was counting the numbers up four or five I think it was. Um. 
and that number was kind of stuck in her head of, of how many they had killed. Um, and it, like she had moments of not really, I guess pause. She had moments of pause. Um, not that it paused her physically, but moments of like pause in her thinking. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, anyways, it, it, it kind of, it kind of like really spoke to me as far as how to create a, a, a complex character that's, that makes you think about a lot of things at the same time. Well, that's good. Yeah. A lot of people did comment on, um, her, uh, they did get a warmth from her despite, uh, you know, what, what her given occupation was. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of the, the deeds committed in, in the book. Um, and I, I think that's something to, um, to keep in mind with writing villains, or antagonists or antiheroes as well is that if you can identify the line for them, like they, they all have to have a line. There is no villain who's just like, all the evil is okay with me. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <laughs> they, they have to have a line somewhere. So if you can stay on the correct side of that line, or if you're making the story about, um, you know, how this has been their line for so long, but now they're crossing it, that becomes another type of story. If you stay on the correct side of that line, they can be your protagonist within a set of circumstances. And that's right. what happened with, with Danger. She is, she's not a great person, but she's better than these people who want to go do this thing that she's not wanting to do. Right. Oh, that's how you pronounce her name. Danger. Yeah. As in, Danger. oh wow, it's like, it's like as Danger. In, <laughs> yeah, as in Dangerfield newbie. That whole oh, okay, okay, I got you, yeah. got you. See, I was thinking like Dane, yeah, in my head. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that, that's fine, but a lot of people like when they when they read it, like black people especially, they're like, oh, I get it, I yeah. get it, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's something else. Like I, I've got I've got a comment on. So I have been reading, um, like I I have made a, and this is not why I picked up your book, but. A while ago, I made a conscious effort. I think it was after my, maybe two years ago. It was after I read through my latest reread of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I read it. I read the whole thing three times in my life. That was the third. I don't know when wow. I'm going to read it because it's, it's freaking crazy. <laughs> it's, it's long and arduous. <laughs> but, but after I read it, I remember distinctly, distinctly in my mind going, man, I need to read like some, um, I need to read some books by black women, like some fantasy sci-fi books. Um, because I, have, I hadn't, like, when I really looked at the history of stuff, because I, I didn't pick up books based on who wrote it. I just picked up, like, I would just look at, you know, what the description or whatever was. Yeah, whatever's, whatever was, was put before you, you look into that. Black right. books don't get that kind of push so much. So that's why you have to search a little <laughs> exactly. bit. Exactly. So I was like, I was like, okay, I need to make a conscious, like, like, let me, let me seek out some of this other stuff. So, um, I read a little bit of Octavia Butler and, I immediately saw a difference in writing style. It's like no shade to like, no shade to like who's somebody I like. I love Sanderson. We'll, we'll go there. I love Sanderson, right? <laughs> no shade to Sanderson, but there's a whole different energy when you're reading something right. written by a, a black woman. And it's not, and it's, and it's even, it's, it's honestly, to me, specifically black women, not even black men, because there's a, there's just a, I can't really put my finger on what the energy is, but especially after reading through, uh, Dread Nation, mm-hmm. um, and, and, um, oh my goodness, N.K. Jemison, <laughs> after reading through like, like her work and, and Justina 
And and this story, like, there's a consistent. It's not the same, obviously. They're all completely different stories, but there's a certain energy that legitimately I never have experienced in other kinds of books. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's um, actually. I won't say I never read books by black women before, but they just weren't fantasy and sci-fi. Right. Um, yeah. There, there's read, a different, there, there, there's right. a different quality to, to black women, specifically our imaginations. So. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, and I did like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like, like, like the characters have this, like a, like it's, it's, it's the kind of energy. It's like, I don't, I don't know if it's ferocity or what, whatever it is that fits and it like speaks to the experience, you know, like even, even this book, this book here is like other worlds, not even in, a, in our, it's not in America or right. our current world or universe or anything like that. But there's still like, when she's talking to the emperor and <laughs> you see her thoughts, when she's talking to the emperor, just as an example, like I feel that energy, like kind of like, I know that this dude didn't just come in here and say this to me kind of energy. Right. You know what I mean? And you don't get that in other books, even even like reading. Uh, again, I'll just use Sanderson because I like him. You know, he he knows I'm not throwing any shade at him. Uh, <laughs> but even when you're reading Vin in in the, she's the main character of the Mistborn books. Even when you're reading her, and as awesome as she is and everything, like that energy. Like if a black woman wrote that those stories, she would have more of this this energy that I'm talking about. That, yeah. That, that would be relevant to the story too. Like that kind of energy, the stuff that she was going through in Mistborn was very relevant to that, you know, to the kind of stuff that, uh, that I, I tend to, at least in my, my experience in the past couple of years have been reading black women, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anyways, I, I, I just have to comment on that because I really, I, I just, <laughs> I felt it in, in different parts. But, um, yeah, as far as culture, um, in the world building aspects, um, uh, I, I really dig just naturally, you know, seeing characters with locks and, and, you know, and, and the, and the golden cuffs in their hair, mm-hmm. uh, just naturally, like, just like, cause so also often you don't realize it until you see something else. So often you're like, Oh, it's a blue eyed blonde, uh, yeah. Guy, or, Skipping over that. Or, or, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. It's like, okay. But like you get, I had like a moment of pause when I, when I get these elements and it started even back when I was reading like Binti by, um, uh, uh, Nindy Akorafor, mm-hmm. uh, or Nettie, no, sorry, I was Nettie, yeah. Akorafor, uh, oh, I freaking love Benzi, but like, even in there, the, like, like the descriptions of the people, it was just so refreshing to actually get descriptions of like people that were not the same <laughs> in every story. <laughs> and again, I'm not throwing shades at other stories, I like them, no, or whatever, it, but it, it's, it definitely, it's, it's noticeable. And it's one right. of those things that you don't really pay attention to when, you know, you only read books by one type of author. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I dug that. Um, but I got to ask, uh, I know we got to wrap it up in a, in a minute here soon. I, I've got to ask, um, what cultural things, uh, helped inspire the world building, um, either for this book or the world that, that's beyond it? Oh, geez. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> So this, uh, this story takes place on a continent called Borgia and it's a, it is an Afro-Latino analog kind of situation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 history behind Asvazios or the uh, the empty, it's um, it's basically uh, what happened with uh, the Middle Passage, um, West Africa in particular, mm. uh, when presented with uh, certain new technologies and things sort of, you know, allowed colonizers to kind of stay, went into enterprises and horrible mm. things ensued afterward. Um, in Borgia, though, what's essentially happening uh, or what happened with Danger is uh, they found out uh, what these colonizers were up to. And the colonizers in this case are these magical beings who mm-hmm. um, steal color and culture and um, other things and literally the life forces of the people right. um, that, that they're invading, which may or may not be on the nose, but okay. Um, <laughs> no, no, that analog is perfect. <laughs> um, so what ultimately happens um uh, Danger is a key person involved in beating back the colonizers, getting them off the continent and what she's doing when she's mm-hmm. um, going over to Bastiat, which is where she was coming from um, in mm-hmm. the book's opening, um, is sort of um, running maintenance checks over there to make sure that nobody else is getting ready to come back and you know try and start stuff up again. Um, right. So combinations of of histories of cultures and geographies and things, um, mm-hmm. and all of that was all backstory to again this gigantic novel trilogy. And so I just kind of picked this one person to talk about um, the turning point essentially in what influenced the build up of this country in the future. Um, oh wow! In the books. See, see, now I've got to, <laughs> I've got to read all of it now because <laughs> I'm super, I'm super lore driven. It, it's why I'm a Star Wars fan. People think I'm a Star Wars fan because I like lightsabers and stuff like that. Oh, that, that stuff's cool, whatever. I like Star Wars because the world is huge, the the or the the galaxy is huge. Right. You know what I mean? So anything, any story with a well built, not normal galaxy that's being built, I'm in. Uh, there <laughs> are um, there are to date five novels. In this universe, um, and about six unreleased, uh, character vignette novellas. Um, wow. Also, Ch- Chisira, which was, uh, my first short story ever published. That was in the inaugural issue of Fire and then Podcastle reprinted it. Um, that right. also takes place in the same world. So at some point, um, in the futures of Ruin of Shadows and Chisira, these characters actually meet us. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've got, so how, so how much of it is, is already released and how oh much God. of it is still um, to be released? No, everything is, still. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the novels, um, I'm shopping with, uh, my agent. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with those. And even if they, those don't, don't get picked up, I'll be self publishing anyway. Like it's, it's a grand enough story and I put enough of my life into it that it's going to be out in the world one way or the other. Um, right. And then um, to supplement the releases of those novels, there's three in a trilogy, and then there's two standalones on other planets within the same solar system. Anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm trying not to get too into it. <laughs> I know I got you. I love it. Uh, I mean that that kind of stuff gets me excited. Like I like I said, I'm I'm huge on 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 just like lores and histories yeah. and you know. And all the the character vignettes are um, of characters within the novel. So depending on what novel comes out, there may be a series of supplementary novellas to kind of get you caught up. 
Um, right. But there, yeah, there's a lot of supplementary material, and I'm just kind of sitting on all of it now until everything <laughs> fell. So, uh, gotcha. yeah, sometime yeah. soon, hopefully. Just just going through the process. Yeah. Understandable. Yeah. Understandable. I know. I know how that is. Uh, I. <laughs> Man, I've, I've got stuff that's, that's just been sitting and I'm not even, I'm not even anywhere, well, as far as the non-comic stuff, I'm not even anywhere near to those stages on my, uh, prose stuff. So, I mean, but honestly, like talking to you and people who are at different stages of their work and seeing, uh, the process, like I, I, like I I learn a lot from it. It honestly helps me, helps me, uh, I think it's helping me prepare to navigate uh, that world. Um, I mean, I, I'm getting an agent from the jump. That's already a, a major accomplishment. Uh, just because like, it's, you know, you have to have somebody who's, who looks at your stuff and go, yeah, I'm willing to put in the time and right. an effort to, to make sure this gets to, you know, in the right people's hands and gets on the, you know, USA Today's bestseller or whatever, right. you know, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, we, we, we talked about quite a bit. Um, I like there's, I mean, I, I could, I could go on forever talking about like different aspects of writing, you know, what makes it tick, what makes it work theme, whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed, uh, what you had to offer. Um, again, I'm super inspired by the work myself. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited to read, uh, to read other stories that, just some of the ones that you already have out. And then of course, in the future, when the other, when the other ones get released, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to kind of diving into your world and everything's pretty much that you're working on right now. is pretty much in the same, same world. Uh, no, uh, there's a separate thing. It's, uh, it is a reimagining of the little mermaid, but everybody's black and it's, um, oh, nice. it's, uh, it's Ariel and Eric's granddaughter and, her throne being usurped on account of her being half fish and whatnot, and the whole mm-hmm. revenge uh, that that ensues from having to team up, <laughs> teaming up with Ursula again and things like that. So, oh nice, um, I there's did that. there's that, and then I've got like a couple of other projects I'll be able to actually touch when I'm done with this convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just uh, yeah, I got got a lot of a lot of things juggling. <laughs> nice nice well definitely appreciate you for coming on um i like i I'm, I'm super happy that you uh were able to spend some time this evening and um talk to me about writing and, and your works and i'm more excited to read your works like i like i've repeated a billion times on here. Uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah let people know where they can find you at on social media and stuff like that sure uh i'm on twitter at l the villain e-l-l-e um, my website lists all of my, um, thus far published works, uh, ldlewiswrites.com. Uh, you can also check out a bunch of short speculative fiction by black writers at fiolitmag.com. That's F-I-Y-A-H, not pronounced via George R. R. Martin, in case you're <laughs> listening. Um, and, uh, that's, that's it. I think that'll get you everything you need. Nice, nice. All right, yeah, and of course, you guys can find me at fourthwall.net. Uh, you can look up Beyond the Fourth Wall podcast on all major podcasting services, including but not limited to Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more. So, yeah, again, thank you for coming on, and yeah, we'll we'll, we'll catch uh, everybody next time. <laughs>